Welcome to Prepare to Care, the ARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Marie Pierre, your host for this podcast. So what's the cost of caring for others? This podcast is dedicated to unpaid caregivers who take care of their loved ones. But unpaid doesn't mean there are not costs to be covered. Either direct costs, such as food, transportation for your loved ones, or indirect costs, missed opportunities at work because you have to take time off, or professional costs, such as adding a nurse to your care team a couple of times per week. So today we're going to talk about what it really costs to care for people. And in honor of Black History Month, we're also going to learn from African-American families and how they handle the cost of caregiving. So to speak with us today about all of this, we've invited Catherine Cook. Um, Catherine is a caregiving counselor with the local Harris County Area Agency on Aging. And we've talked to several people at the Area Agency. I love them all. So um, Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, um, Catherine, um, you... Oh, shoot. I just went directly to it. That's okay. Now we have to cut off. That's right. Just agree to Okay. Where do I start? Do you want me Can to you say if you think you're giving? Do this at least because it helps with the music intro too. Okay. And you'll have to... Will you be able to delete my... I don't know what I was thinking. You're still winning. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So if you think caregiving is just something that happens for free, I'm encouraging you to think again. Coming up on Prepare to Care. So Catherine, you are a local counselor? Yes. Uh, A caregiving counselor? Yes, I am. I'm a counselor for the Harris County Area Agency on Aging. That's like a long title. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But I bet you see a lot of people in your job and that families um, probably talk to you quite a bit about the cost of caring for a loved one. Yes, they do. So that's a topic that comes often? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. So tell us a little bit about your experience. Like, how do people deal with this? I'm, I'm guessing at first people say, oh, I'm giving up my job. Oh, I'm going to stay home. Everything will be fine, right? That's exactly what they uh, start off with. Um, They also think that um, there are agencies that will pay them to stay at home and care for their loved ones. Um, So we have to start off by educating them as to what is actually available, what um, their insurance may or may not pay for. um, But we have to educate them on uh, resources as well. So let's start with things like salaries, you know, like people who, and I've seen that often um, in my day job, people uh, take a family medical leave or they just quit their job straight out. And here they have, they no longer have an income mm-hmm. to bring in because mom is at the end of her life or somebody who's really ill. So how do people cope with that? Once they make that decision, and it's something that, a lot of times they make that decision um, without thinking it through. Um, so I do encourage people to think about it before they make moves such as quitting their jobs. Um, people need to understand what the insurance, their insurance will pay and will not pay because a lot of people think that Medicare will pay for them caring for their loved ones. Um, I often run into people thinking, well, if I put them in a nursing home, the Medicaid or Medicare will pay for them there, so why can't they pay 
me here. There's no real options for people for being paid to care for their loved ones in so, their home. I, I want to back out. It is true that if you're in a nursing home, Medicare might pay for some benefits? Short, or not always? Not always. Short term. Medicare pays for short term benefits, but if it's long term care, if the person is going to remain in the home after a certain number of days, it becomes private paid or they have to go into the Medicaid system. Got it. And the Medicaid system is based on your income. Correct. So not everybody qualifies. Not everyone for that. qualifies. It's based on income and assets. And and short term is like what, ninety days or what is it? It can it ranges. Uh, it's about 120 okay. days of skilled nursing care. Got it. Um, depending upon the diagnosis. Okay. Okay. Uh, they'll go in, and it, it a lot of it depends upon the condition and the diagnosis. How much, how long they get in a skilled care facility. So, for example, if I understand well, it's like okay, mom had a stroke. Mm-hmm. She's in the hospital. She's going to be discharged to a nursing care facility. Mm-hmm. Medicare might pay for this for up to like for let's say ninety let's say ninety days Correct. in this case. Correct. And then after that she's well enough in their terms to be discharged and the Correct. family is like, Okay, she's discharged they, but not well enough to function by herself. Right. They they will have a discharge planning meeting. Yep. And the staff will suggest the services that are needed for them to remain safely in their home. Um, in the family, it is up to the family to determine, you know, what they can do. Um, oftentimes when a person comes out of a facility, this a nursing home or the hospital, they'll have short-term uh, coverage through Medicare, okay. uh, which is a nurse coming out and maybe uh, the doctor may order physical therapy, occupational therapy, but it is a short-term program. So, and that usually lasts about six to nine weeks, depending okay. upon, once again, depending upon the, uh, the, the circumstances. Uh, and then after that, they're on their own, right. so to speak. <laughs> so, so families can find themselves really kind of in a pickle, right? Yes. Especially if they, so tell me, okay, let, let's take a, the, the case of a family that's, you know, okay. You know, like they, they make some money, you know, they're somewhat mm-hmm comfortable or middle class or whatever mm-hmm. it is um how, what in your experience how do like do they take money out of savings or do some people have like i've heard of things called long-term care um insurance, long-term care insurance. so what you know how in your experience how do people cope with all of that well what happens is um what happens is when they when they get home they have to after uh, the social worker talks with them at the at the facility, what services they need, and this is also coming out of a hospital as well. They have a discharge planning thing, so once they get their Medicare services, it gives them a little bit of time, um, you know, to try to make some plans. Um, the state of Texas offers long-term care. Okay. Okay. Long-term care services can provide assistance in the home. Okay, for people who meet the criteria, um, they they would be able to come in and provide whatever services that person needs. But there is a criteria, financial criteria. Okay. So if they are over income, they would not be eligible if they're over that income guidelines. Okay. If they are over under income but over assets, 
they can spin some of those excess down by taking care of the person. Got it. So a, a good way of doing it would be purchasing whatever services are available and they can do that by going through a home health care agency um there's there's a lot of different uh agencies that will uh take private paid services that way they're able to spend their their assets down to the necessary point as but get the services that they need you know okay so you're talking this is like sending your kid to college yes it is right it's <laughs> like you have like you need like a financial aid person to exactly. help you understand this stuff right? and that is one of the things that we encourage people and and what i do um if there are assets involved uh if there's property involved things of that nature that will hinder their um criteria uh, they're meeting the eligibility for medicaid we, we we suggest that they see an estate attorney, okay. someone who is familiar with Medicaid guidelines, um, because a lot of people just want to, they'll go and they'll start spending their money down or giving things away, and that will make them ineligible. Oh, I see. So if they speak to someone about what they need to do in order to be eligible for long-term care services, and this is either in the home or in nursing homes, they could do it properly and without being penalized by Medicaid. Wow, so this is really like a tender time for people because yes, it is. emotionally stuff has happened. The family needs to make a decision. Right. It doesn't sound like it's simple because <laughs> it's like there's like financial, like literally like financial aid involved. It's based right, on how much you right. make. There's all this right. government program. And what I'm hearing is, okay, if, if you don't have the means, you can go maybe to, to the Houston Area Agency for Aging, right? Am I yes. saying that right? And there'll be people to help you. But if you if you have more, then you really should con- like like consider like talking to an attorney exactly and, yes. and somebody like what kind of attorney is that it's an estate attorney a state attorney that, that's what they're usually called okay and they are familiar with um uh, it's through the elder care program and, okay. and they are familiar with all the criteria for medicaid okay okay they are familiar with there's different trust and different ways that a person can protect their assets okay um legally right okay so if they do have money now they're expected to pay for what they can right okay but a person does not have to spend all their assets down in order to get long-term care assistance they're not going to impoverish a spouse just to provide assistance to, you know. Uh, you're bringing a very good point because it might be the spouse who's dealing with the situation. Right, and right. then you really have to deal with that. Yes. Um, do you find families who, like, decide to just, like, do it alone? Like, what, what would be, like, the big mistakes that you see? People giving property to their family members. Huh. Like, uh, where would they do that? Because... For a long time, people had a misconception about Medicaid. Okay. And they think that you have to be extremely poor. Okay. So rather than getting the proper information, and, and when I, I'm saying this, I'm, I'm referring to most 
for to couples. Right. Okay, so rather than getting the proper information, they think they have to spend all their money down to be eligible to get care. Oh. So they'll do that. They'll either spend all their money down or give it away and then they to go the to the children or to whoever. the children. Right. And then they and try then to apply for um, medic Medicaid services. Right. And Medicaid goes through their eligibility criteria. There's a five-year look-back period. Oh. So they'll go back through the person's And they're finances. like, oh, five years ago you were you fine. Gave, you gave your son the house for a dollar, and so they're penalized. Oh, no. So they so can't get services. It's really important for people to just calm down. Yes. It sounds yes. like it, right? It's like it's really hard. but Right. And, and it sounds like because there's a coverage for at least a period of time, you should really take advantage of that period of time right. to really get your ducks in a row. One right? of the things that I suggest when I go out to um, homes and, and people are trying to figure out what to do next, I always suggest that they st start talking about what they want to do, visit a f the facilities so that they can have an idea where they want to go, and then if there are assets involved if the person is not automatically eligible for Medicaid they need to talk to the state attorney okay um, it's important to not wait until a crisis occurs okay because when a crisis occurs and you're trying to do this then all of a sudden things get real complicated okay and people make mistakes okay um how about people who so you know people who literally give up their job and they're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm, I'm going to give up this whole career. Okay, so I was listening to a podcast recently, and some and the, 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 this particular podcaster said, well, sometimes actually giving up your job is not the best thing. No. <laughs> okay, oh, you're shaking your head. No. You're like, no, don't give no. up that job. So why, why do you think that as well? Um, I am a caregiver. I co-caregive for my 92-year-old mother. Okay. Um, I have a sister who is her primary caregiver, but my sister um, is also sick. <laughs> and she is home 24-7. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was retired. And one of the things that she says is that she's busier being retired than she was when she was working. Okay. Okay. Um, it being a caregiver and when you're home with someone twenty four seven, you have no outlet. I see. Giving up your job now, not only do you not have an outlet, you have no income. Depending upon your age, you may not have insurance. That's and right. And what happens is, if you're in that situation, you're usually living off of one income. And that one income does not stretch that far. So it's really not. So what would be your advice? Because there's some guilt, right? We're yes. like, I need to be here for mom or dad or, or mm -hmm. you know, my spouse or sometimes a child. Mm -hmm. So what is your advice to dealing with this emotional uh, part of it? It's like, I, I'm supposed to be there. Right, right. I'm, I'm kind of chuckling because... Um, I, 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 I'm going through kind of a similar thing right now. Um, my sister, mom, and I consolidated um, three households, and we moved in together. In, a, in we were in two-story uh, townhouses, and we moved in together um, to a single-story home. It helped in terms of saving it, it, on expenses. So we save living expenses. It helps in terms of socialization because we're there together. But I work full time, so I get to go out. Okay, my sister works, she's, she's retired, but she does work from home, and her 
salvation is going into her office and shutting the door Mm -hmm. but the minute she comes out she's 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 got a list of things to do right so that's when you really have to try to find some assistance that's the most important thing you have to understand when you need to get assistance Um, and you have to find a way of keeping up with yourself uh, some other kind of outlet to reduce your stress. Okay. Um, you have to be able to separate yourself from that caregiving experience because otherwise, um, it it can. And his, the, my experience has been caregivers tend to get sicker, and I hate to say it this way, but in some cases they die because of their caregiving. They don't take care of themselves, and it's the person that they're trying to take care of lives on for a long time (laughs) and that I've had that experience uh, quite a bit and I think that's kind of um, it's it's stressful but it's not because you don't want to care for the person it's because you have so much other things going on and especially if you don't have an income you know so you have to be able to you know try to figure out you know some uh things to do um and as i'm saying that i just thought about it um there's a lot of you know if you need an income people can invest into um some other um options um um like working from home right Okay. Um, Which is possible now with the internet and things exactly, like that. There are opportunities exactly. there. In, in, um, I've had uh, some caregivers, I know um, uh, they um, do drive, they deliveries and things okay. like that. So there are some other options for to be able to, you know, work plus kind of get away from the uh, caregiving. Yeah, uh, so I'm keep hearing that. It's, it's like it's it's not only the income, but it's also the outlet, the, out, the right. engagement right. outside, so you're not just focused on the caregiving. Yes. I have one question, too. For the people who, who can't afford to pay, mm-hmm. uh, maybe for, you know, mom to be in the retirement home, but there's that guilt like, oh, I'm not going to do that to mom. Mm. Do you find that sometimes? I think you, you do. And a lot of people are caring for someone way beyond the time that they should. Well, tell uh, me more about that. Okay. Like um, there's a time? Like how do you know there's a time? You, a lot of times people will know within themselves how far they can go. Um, if you're, if you're a, a male caring for your mom and everything is fine up until it comes time to have to change a diaper, that may be when they decide I can't do this anymore um, and, and it's vice versa. It just depends on, you know, you have to think in, in your mind, um, wh- what is your end point? So uh, that might be the time when you start paying for the nurse or for somebody else <laughs> right. to come and help exactly. with that, right? And then the, the other thing too is uh, a crisis may occur. Um, in, in my particular situation, my sister became extremely ill at the beginning of, la- uh, of January last year. Um, she was hospitalized um, in rehab in a nursing home for three months. Um, I worked full time and my 92-year-old mom was at home by herself and the, cat- the, the thing one day I couldn't get a hold of her on the telephone. And unfortunately, the whole day I couldn't get a hold of her. I didn't have neighbors that I could call. And her phone turned off. She didn't know how to turn it back on. 
you know, so I'm panicking. I'm at work and oh my gosh, what do I do? So at that point, I, can't, I realized I can't do this by myself. So I looked and was able to um, get uh, involved in a respite program. Got it. Okay. Um, so the, I want to interrupt. So mm-hmm. what you did, probably because you were in the business, you didn't go like, oh, I need to quit my job. Oh, no, no, no. But I thought, but some what, people what might. I did think, and this is something that a lot of people might think, is that they could do it. Mm. See, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I know what I'm doing. I could do this. But so, <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is this, the, the two sides, right? It's like one, one set of issues, even for someone like you, mm-hmm. who you, you serve clients who have this problem, and you didn't quite see it in yourself. It, exactly. You right. think you can do it all. And then the other thing is recognizing the side, it, right? right? And then right. seeking the help that right. you need. In, Which, in your case, you probably knew of the full range <laughs> of things that you could have. Right. So I, I did seek the help. And, of course, it's temporary. Most help now is temporary. But the bond that was made with the worker that I had, she still helps today. You know, um, and, and, and that's another issue with caregivers um, is that their, the person that they might be caring for may not trust anyone else to care for them. You right. know, so when you do get help, you know, it was a little iffy with my mom. You know, she wasn't very accepting. But now, you know, she uh, she she is accepting, and this person is still helping us today. So introducing somebody to the team is, like, not that easy. It's not that easy, you know, depending upon the personality. The other thing that's important as a caregiver um, is reaching out and getting that help. Um, one of the things that we do at our agency, we have uh, what's called Conversations with Caregivers. Um, it's a program that we started about nine years ago where we had um, get together with the caregivers. Uh, we had topics, um, and they would come in for those top. You know, we would have a discussion. The caregivers would, you know, express themselves, um, and it was a way for them to get together with other people and realizing that they were not alone. Um, the program, it, it, it made a huge difference with a lot of people. It, it would become very emotional at times, but people left thinking like, oh, I'm not by myself. And, and maybe hearing other things. Right. And then, you know, some of the caregivers were able to share some of their experiences and how they dealt with it. Uh, for instance, going back to the caregiving aspect, getting family members to help. Um, a, a lot of times thing. family members kind of disappear. And so we had a caregiver come in and she explained how she, they, her family set up a schedule for all the children to come in either doing a task or paying for the task to be done as long as they took their time, okay, and, and however they needed to get it done, as long as they took their time. So it's really cost sharing, yes. really, which is yes. something that you did in your own family. Yes, yes. So, Catherine, we're going to have to wrap up. Okay. You know, we could talk all day about this. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, so if there was one thing you wanted people to take away about the cost of caregiving, what would that be? I want to say kind of plan ahead, um, have an idea, talk with your family members, have an idea what to do, Okay. you know, um, and try to figure out who can help and in what way they can help. Um, but I, I would encourage people to plan ahead because if you have to make a decision during a, an emergency or a crisis, it, it sometimes doesn't work out. 
Okay. So my so biggest thing is plan ahead. Planning ahead. Yes. Thank you so much. So um, today we've spoken with Catherine Cook, who is a caregiving counselor with the Harris County Area Agency on Aging. I finally said it right. <laughs> um, so if you want to find out more about what Catherine was speaking about today, um, be sure to visit the Area Agency on Aging's website. It is www.houstontx.gov slash health slash aging. I'm going to repeat that. www.houstontx.gov slash health slash aging. As always, if you thought this podcast was helpful or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, please invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, or at www.aarp.org slash HoustonPTC. Also, take our Prepare to Care podcast survey, help us improve future episodes, and find other caregiving planning and local resources to help you and your loved ones. Kathleen, thank you so much for being here. And um, thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for caring. Thank you.